This is The Crime Cafe, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Cafe has two ebooks for sale the nine book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com. D E B B I M A C K dot com under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter of the podcast at the $10 monthly level. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. Today's guest is a lawyer and crime writer, always a good combination. It's a pleasure to introduce the author of Death Sentences, Michael Zemecki. I did pronounce that correctly. Didn't yes, you did. Yes, thank you. Good, good. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, let's see. I'm, ha- I'm glad to have you on today. Your novel, Death Sentences, is fiction, but is based on a true story. Is that correct? That is, yes. It, it's based on a uh, shootout that took place in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I live, in 2009. Uh, between a young man and uh, Pittsburgh police. Uh, he was a, uh, like the character in the novel, uh, unemployed, uh, pretty much of a washout. He had been in the Marines and uh, was kicked out. Had a girlfriend that left him after he abused her and was living with his mother. And in the uh, historical event that is based on, uh, as in the book, the mother uh, called the cops after a uh, young man's dog crapped on her carpet. Uh, he had been, like by character, based on him, Peter Pop- Popovich, very susceptible to right-wing propaganda. Uh, this took place during the Obama administration. He thought Obama was coming to take away his guns. So when the police came to his door, that's what started things off. So the, the, the book tracks the actual shootout and event pretty closely, but there are characters in the book that don't appear in, in, in the real story. And some of them were drawn from uh, people I, I know, some of whom I hold dearly and, <laughs> and have tried to fictionalize them so they don't know that they're in here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so you took a true event and you put a lot of fictionalized characters and uh, I assume story uh, developments into it as well. Absolutely, yes, yes. But it uh, underscores and brings out a very real uh, problem in our country. That that it does, and it's a problem that, that continues to plague our country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to get inside the mind of someone who uh, whose political views are quite different from my own, someone who was a neo-Nazi, a white supremacist, a misogynist, an anti-Semite, and trying to make an attempt to understand the, the, what, what attracts an individual like that to, to those ideologies and those dogmas. So I, I try to humanize Peter Popovich in my novel. Certainly not a hero. He's a bad man. But I wanted to try to get some insight into how someone goes down that path. I think that's really a, a, a great thing to do these days. I mean, there's so much divisiveness now, and it's so easy to just 
look at a person like that and just label them as bad and not understand why they ended up where they did. And I get the sense that that's what you're trying to do with this particular novel. That's that's correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I like to step inside the minds of bad characters. I wrote a novella uh, a few years before Death Sentences that's based on the last five days in the life of Joseph Stalin. And one doesn't get any more terrible than that. Mm-hmm. Did, did an enormous amount of research. Um, not sure I actually got the voice right, but I created my version of Stalin. It was probably much more intellectual than the actual Stalin. He was <laughs> a writer, I should say, and was a poet in his early life, so it's uh, chilling. It's interesting. I started reading that, and I was drawn right in, actually. So I thought that was a very good job. Your novella, the way it's a little bit ahead right of the time. There's there's a recent novel that takes the same uh, viewpoint that I had in, in my novella that Stalin may have been murdered by uh, his compatriots, Khrushchev and company. Uh, when I was writing, it didn't matter to me whether that was true or not. It was just a nice jumping off point. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the inspiration, as it were. Yes. Yes. Um, what sort of law do you practice? You still practice law. I still keep my license active. Uh, I was of counsel with my firm up until this year. I'm not doing that anymore. I do mentor uh, a fellow attorney, a young attorney that I know. Uh, he does some of the work that I had done when I was practicing. Uh, when I started my career, I did pretty much everything. I worked for a litigation boutique firm. We did defense work, we did uh, plaintiff's work, commercial litigation, employment discrimination, workers' compensation, other types of administrative law. As my career progressed, it narrowed really into plaintiff's personal injury. And uh, I also started doing veterans' disability compensation in the last few years of my career. Uh, the young man that I help uh, does a lot of veterans' disability work. So it's a way of my keeping my hand in, but uh, I'm not doing trials anymore. I'm not doing hearings. I'm not doing depositions. But uh, I'm providing a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> but what you're doing is uh, is an important part of uh, legal work, I think, mentoring. Yes, yes. Because and certainly when somebody leaves law school, they're not quite ready yet to do everything. No, they're, they're left out to hang and uh, law schools really don't do a good job of pre they, preparing people to practice law. They do a great job of preparing people to pass the bar exam. And uh, I was fortunate to have some pretty good mentors early on in my career. Uh, my, I clerked for uh, a year, year and a half with a state court judge, which was valuable experience. And uh, later I, I worked for a, a, a litigator who was the, the go-to guy, trial guy at the firm that I was working for. A uh, brilliant man he taught at the University of Pittsburgh School of Law. Learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that lawyers tend to be attracted to the crime fiction writing field. Why do you think that is? Uh, I, I'm, I'm really not sure, and I'm not sure it's actually applicable in my case, but my, my instincts tend to go to history. 
And uh, I, I, Death Sentences isn't a true historical novel because it's, uh, I, I think the, the History Society defines a historical novel as something about events that take place more than 50 years in the past. I tend to be a little bit more interested in contemporary events, but it's, it's the real event that motivates me. Uh, I will say that I've, I've taken a couple of stabs at crime writing. Uh, I have two novels in the drawer that are both crime novels. And then I have two other novels that I've worked on that, uh, that aren't. Uh, although it's hard to find a book that doesn't have some crime, either real or imagined, in it. So it's a, it's, it's a genre that can be very, very broadly defined and conceived. As for lawyers, I, I can't speak for my brethren. I don't, I don't know why they go in that direction. And for me, it's, uh, I, I never really practiced criminal law. I think I worked on three criminal law cases in, in, in the course of the 30-year legal career. Uh, one of them was a, uh, a murder case, but it was a very, very small role that I played doing some research on it. And uh, it's, not, it's not a case that I've even thought about writing about. Well, I'll share with you my own theory. I think they tend to be naturally drawn to hard-boiled and noir fiction because mm -hmm. they see all the ways that the justice system can not work. And that very naturally lends itself toward that kind of writing. I think that's, that's true. Yeah. I, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And anybody who's practiced law has, has, has seen up close and personal the the problems with our legal system. So it, it's oh, a yes. motivator. Yes. Um, let's see. You mentioned your novella, which, like I said, started off very powerfully, I thought. Mm -hmm. Stalin's voice was, was quite um, interesting and unique. And, and, and it's like, okay, this is Stalin. This is the guy who was so horrible. Uh, and yet I'm feeling something in, in, in the sense of getting to know him, you know, a kind of not liking him necessarily, but, you know, understanding where he's coming from. Um, Thank you. Thank you. But, you know, so that, that's the thing. I think that a lot of people, when they write a villain, they think in terms of stereotypes rather than the human part of why that person is a villain. You know, what what motivates that person? What is their need? And um, so that you know that's something that the fact that you can capture that is is an excellent thing. Um, I also was interested to see that you write plays, or that you've written at least one play. Yeah, I've, I've written a couple. I ha I had one. Mm -hmm. that I, I had produced as a uh, one act play in Pittsburgh a few years ago then turned it into a full-length play. Uh, I have won a couple of competitions with it, but, uh, and I've workshopped it, but it, it's, it's really hard to, to get a play produced in, in, in this country right now. It would be extremely fortunate. I would uh, think so, yeah. But uh, the fact that, that you've written one, and the subject matter was really interesting too. I mean, I'm interested in history also, and the idea of... Um, Oppenheimer as a Soviet spy. That that kind of captured me right there. Uh, what what prompted you to write on that subject or or choose that particular angle? 
I think I was, it, it started with a local interest. There, there's a Pittsburgh backdrop to the Oppenheimer story. Uh, his wife, Kitty, attended the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, she lived in Pittsburgh for a, a number of years. She met her uh, second husband uh, at, a, at a New Year's Eve party in Pittsburgh, uh, a young man named Joe Dallet, who uh, lived in a house in Youngstown with, uh, with Gus Hall, who later ran for the, the presidency as a Communist Party candidate. Uh, she fell in love with Dallet. Uh, he joined the, uh, the, actually it was the, the McKenzie, uh, the, the Canadian Brigade, not the Abraham Lincoln Brigade in the Spanish Civil War. And she was planning on joining him when he was killed overseas in action. Uh, she met his friend, a uh, man named Steve Nelson, who for years was head of the Pittsburgh Communist Party, later went to the West Coast. Uh, she introduced him at that time to her new husband, J. Robert Oppenheimer, and uh, that that backdrop uh, played into the hearing that uh, took place in 1953 when Oppenheimer lost his security clearance, Kitty's relationship with Steve Nelson, and uh, her ex-husband, Joe Dallet, played very prominently in that. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I have to ask, since your bio said that you like traveling, swing jazz, fedoras, and hard-boiled fiction, okay. what's your favorite uh, all old film noir movie? You have to have at least one, I figure. Uh-huh. Oh, my. That's tough. Uh, anything with Bogart in. <laughs> uh, I like the classics. I like the Maltese Falcon. I like Casablanca. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, anything by Dashiell, anything by Dashiell Hammett that made its way to the screen. Uh, there's some more obscure ones that I'm I'm just not remembering right now. But uh, mm -hmm. well, that's cool. I, I like the old black and white classics. <laughs> I'm with you there. I'm a uh, film noir fan all the way. Uh, some, of the, some of the more recent stuff, the Usual Suspects, I'm fond of. Absolutely. Yeah, there's some, some re more recent stuff that's excellent. L.A. Confidential. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And my taste in music tends to run the same way. I, 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 I like uh, old swing music, but I, I like uh, people who are redoing it now and, and updating it. Uh, LaVey Smith and her Red Hot Skillet Liquors in San Francisco is great. She sounds like Billie Holiday. They do their own stuff as well, well as doing a lot of the uh, standards from the American song, Songbook. Uh, I've grown fond of uh, Postmodern Jukebox, which will take uh, popular songs that are people are listening to right now and jazz them up a little bit. And uh, they've come to Pittsburgh three times. I've seen them every time they've been here. They're, 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 they're just a great band to watch in person. Cool. Excellent. If there's one person you could choose, dead or alive, to have dinner with, who would it be? Possibly Bertrand Russell, it's the first name that comes to my head. Uh, I was a philosophy major, second major, when I was in uh, an undergraduate. And he was someone who uh, wrote very well and was able to translate philosophy and plain English. Uh, I think he was an interesting character. Uh, 
his popularity has waned. Uh, his, his reputation was savaged by Roy Monk in, in, in a recent biography. But uh, he's still an interesting character and uh, a pacifist, uh, which I am not. But uh, mm -hmm. Interesting in what way? Uh, I th his philosophy of life, I, I think I, I tend to share. Uh, he, he, he was a man that stood pretty large on, on the public stage, uh, opposing England's entry into World War I, which was certainly controversial. Uh, he got in trouble here in the States when he taught for City College in New York and actually uh, lost his job. He, he was one of the leading mathematicians, logicians, and philosophers at the time. So it was actually scandalous from, from hmm. all perspective. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's an interesting and unique sort of choice. And he met a lot of people that I'd like to know a little bit more about. I mean, he had a, he had a, a, a relationship with Wittgenstein that was interesting. I mean, that, mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure they ended up being friends at the end of the day. And uh, Wittgenstein is another interesting character. When I was in law school, I attended a uh, informal lunch uh, seminar that two of the professors were holding, where we read paragraph by paragraph uh, Wittgenstein's philosophical investigations. So, My goodness. Uh, I listened. I didn't really contribute much. <laughs> way over my head, believe me. <laughs> Well, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? I'll add one thing on, on the Wittgenstein thing. I, I, I recently picked up a book called Extinction by Thomas Bernhardt, which, uh, who, who, was a, who wrote a book about Wittgenstein and was very much influenced by him. And I, I was attracted to it by the title. Uh, he's an interesting, interesting writer, uh, virtually unreadable, in my opinion. <laughs> two chapters, uh, two parts. Uh, each one is one paragraph long, and the type is very small. So I, I don't recommend it, but... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, one other thing. I love the uh, the poster you have in the background there. That's really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife is a Tom Stoppard fan, and uh, actually wrote her doctoral dissertation on Tom Stoppard. She's taken me to every play that uh, we've been able to get to by Stoppard. We, we, we saw his Russian trilogy in, uh, in London a few years ago. Uh, we had to watch all three plays on the same day. <laughs> the man that booked us switched our seats from the left uh, side of the stage to the right and to the center. Just So we had to get up and move around. We did eat there because there was no time to leave the theater. It was kind of an, a very immersive experience into Tom Stoppard. It was great. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's fascinating, um, but uh, I, I love that I love that poster. That is so cool. <laughs> I, I love fedoras. I didn't want to wear one because I'm indoors, but there's one in the in the poster. <laughs> that's that's why it's there. I wouldn't mind having my own fedora. <laughs> I think they're really cool hats. So, um, in any case, it was great to have you on, Michael. Thanks so much. And um, with you, Debbie, I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure, too. Um, let me just add that if you're listening on iTunes, if you would please leave a review there, we'd 
really appreciate it. It really helps us get the word out about the, uh, the podcast. And also remember to check out the Crime Cafe box set and uh, short story anthology, as well as the Patreon page on my website at debbymack.com. Absolutely. <laughs> and with that, I will just say keep reading, and I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>